and welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where New Life in Christ is celebrated. We explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. I'm Pastor Eric, and with me again is Mr. Dan Jeffrey. Dan, how you doing? Uh, doing well, Eric. How are you, brother? Doing well, doing well. What What you all didn't hear is that Dan and I just had an hour, almost an hour and 15 minute conversation before we even hit record. So we are, are, we are well fired up. <laughs> well, uh, oh yeah. This, oh yeah. The, the second, second episode of uh, our series on the Christian man and the Christian manhood, uh, what it means to be a Christian man today. Our topic is uh, from boyhood to manhood. So we're going to have a conversation about what it means to grow up as a man and the importance of being a boy when you need to be a boy and being a man when you need to be a man. Uh, so to get us kicked off, I just want uh, I, I just want us to talk a little bit about this transition. Uh, we had some conversation last week about it, but I want to talk. I, I just want to ask you, Dan, about this transition. Why is this transition from boyhood to manhood so important in a man's life? Well, I think there's a lot of examples, um, both in scripture and just, you know, our own experiences that this puberty, this stage in life, you know, and really even post-puberty into young adolescence is such a critical time in a person's life. It really shapes so much of their future, you know, um, Big decisions can have big consequences later on. And it's it's a time where, you know, young men's bodies are changing. Their minds are changing. Um, they're, they're becoming more aware of their identity and who they are and more aware of the world and, and how big and complex it is. But, but it's at an intersection where they're, they're entering into an adult mindset while still having that childlike faith. And I think that because that intersects there, it, it, it's just a critical time. And if, if you don't get saved when you're young, if you make a lot of poor decisions in your younger years, that, that doesn't define the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. um, but, but there is an opportunity there that I, I don't know once it's gone if it ever really fully returns. I think you're right on. And you have a lot of experience working with teenagers because you were a youth mm -hmm. pastor for a number of years. So, yeah. you know, you've you've done the you've done the work on this, um, both in in research and in, uh, you know, on the streets, you know, dealing with kids who are at this this time in their life. I think what I see is I see in our culture that there's a lot of men who still act mm -hmm. like boys. And maybe yeah. to connect it to our previous conversation is that I, I think that we've seen a lot of that, especially through that back half of the 20th century, where there's still a lot of, mm -hmm. of, of boyhood being expressed, mm -hmm. even in these adult men. Uh, yeah. And and I think it's really harmful. You know, and in fact, I would say that probably a lot of that is for, is what causes some of that. What we talked about last week, the toxic masculinity, the the unhealthy patriarchal culture that we have. Uh, this wielding power over women, I think a lot of that stems from this failure, you know, this failure to launch from boyhood mm -hmm. into manhood. And so then we just have these overgrown boys who have all this power and have all this money. And uh, I think that, that you're right on, that this is such a critical time. And I, it is important as we get into this that I think that, that the growth 
uh, much of the growth that happens in that teenage in those teenage years from boyhood to manhood can happen later, but it's just not near as healthy. And you're yeah. so far behind the ball. Mm-hmm. Men can grow up and in their fifties, you know, in their thirties and fifties, uh, and even later. But it it's so much harder because you have all that baggage. And you know, I mean, you know, you know the teenage mind. There's just something about about kids' brains. You know, they're these they're these really important times, and, and neuroscience backs this up that they're these really important times where the the neurons are particularly malleable in in a child's brain. You know, and it's like it's like right after birth, from two to four, age like seven to eleven, and then like fifteen to sixteen are these kind of like hot spots of brain development. And if you get stunted during those times it's really hard to catch up. And I'm guessing that most people who are stunted during that time actually don't ever move fully into health or fully into maturity. Um, so I think that you're right on that. This is super, super important uh, for us to have this conversation because I think that there's a, I, I would actually probably just go ahead and say that most men in our culture are still boys in many ways and just haven't, haven't reached manhood well, well, as one of those boys still trying to reach manhood, you know, I, I can't say I fully disagree with you on that, and my wife could support that. Um, I'm <laughs> kidding. But, um, yeah, it's something, especially as a father of a daughter, you know, I, I think a fair amount of who, who's the man that my daughter is going to marry. You know, yeah. and, and I follow in the footsteps of what my parents did for me is, is they prayed for Taylor from before I was born. When I was in my mother's wow. womb, they prayed for my future wife. And, and so I pray for my children's future spouses now at this mm-hmm. time. And when I pray, pray for Shiloh's future husband. You know, I, I, I pray protection over him at this time. I, I, I ask the Lord that he would grow up in a healthy Christian home, that he would go through the proper development, that that his youth would be filled with him growing and maturing in the love of God so that he can be the best husband um, and hopefully someday father um, to, to my daughter and her future children that he can be. And that's one of the things that I think makes uh, every parent kind of nervous. Um, and I think this idea that we've got these full-grown men in physical stature where their mindset is that that of a teenager. You know, I even saw it on Facebook today. A guy I went to high school with, year older than uh, me, and hmm. he was always really popular, always really cool and everything like that. And um, I saw him on Facebook this morning, and it was like, Dude, you're doing the same stuff you did when you were 21, man. Mm-hmm. Like, like a decade's gone by. So many of your friends have grown up and, and moved on into different things, and you're still doing the same stuff you were doing. Like, you're yeah. What what kind of if if nothing else, what kind of life is that that you're having for yourself? And maybe wow. um, that's that's what God wants for them, and maybe that's judgmental of me. But um, I, I I at least know for for my children, I'd want more than that. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I would agree with you, Eric. Before we go any further, you, as you were kind of preparing and we were talking about this mm-hmm. before, there's there was a scripture that came to your mind 
And so I wanted mm-hmm. to just give you this opportunity to share uh, when we talk about boyhood to manhood, the, a biblical precedence or maybe a biblical <laughs> model um, that we can look at. So, uh, yeah, what was the scripture that you were you were thinking so, about? So, so what we're looking at, and I got it pulled up here, Eric, it's, it's from the book of Daniel, chapter 3, verses uh, 16 through 18. And, and I'll preface this scripture by saying I – in the church I grew up in, one of the board members always used to say that there was no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. Mm. That, that, that the spirit mm. that raised Christ from the dead, that lives in us adults, is the same spirit that lives in my four-year-old little girl's heart. Yeah. Yeah. And that young people can lead, that they can set an example. And, and so thinking about... a. What, what, as a father, I would want my son to grow into as a young man in prayer and thinking about our conversation. This scripture, you know, came to mind, and it's from the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it's uh, their response to King Nebuchadnezzar after he gives them the ultimatum, either you bow to the statue of gold Mm -hmm. or I'm throwing you in the fiery furnace. And so in verse 16, this is their reply to him. King Nebuchadnezzar. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this manner. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. And, and I just think, you know, what, what Christian parent wouldn't want that to be their children, and particularly their sons, mm-hmm. that, you know, in Scripture, I tried to do some research on this, and, and they, they were probably somewhere between the ages of 13 at the absolute youngest and, and maybe 20 in that 70-year oh, wow. time yeah. frame when, when this took place. So we're talking mm-hmm. young guys, and especially with guys right. with the way our frontal lobes and everything develop, you know, mm-hmm. it's not fully there. And they're willing to stand up to the king at, yeah. uh, on the threat of death, not compromising who they are. And I share that scripture to give us an idea of what, as the church, we should be striving for in developing mm-hmm. these young men. But I also share it for any young men that are listening. You know, these, these guys are your age. And they, they lived this life for Jesus, and you can too. And so that's, that's church, that's our goal on what we're trying to develop. Young men, if, if you need something to shoot for, this is a pretty good target to shoot for. That touches on a couple of key things that happens when we transition from boyhood to manhood, uh, which, which one of those things is that's, that's a moment of entering into the world. Right, really, for the first time, you come out of your household, and in in traditional, more traditional, more traditional cultures, you would actually you would actually leave the household, and you would go and begin working. Um, but in many ways, it's like a it's like a coming out ceremony where you, yeah. you you know, when you hit that thirteen to sixteen to eighteen age, that's when you no longer are completely under your parents control Mm -hmm. and we have some things even in our own culture that are kind of built into that right like oftentimes it's when we first when we get our first car 
mm-hmm. you know, those types of things. And we get a little bit more of that freedom. You know, I know mm-hmm. in my own life, that was when I could stay out later with my friends. I could start making some of those choices myself. I could drive myself to school. So it's this natural moment in uh, a young young man's life where they enter into the world. I think that's kind of, that's exactly what we see with this story from Daniel three with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego that they, they were no longer under the protection of their family. Uh, They were no longer under the protection even of their country because they were exiles. And so they were really thrown not only into the fiery furnace, literally, but they were thrown, you know, into the world where they had to face, um, they had to face the world really for the first time, probably. Yeah. Oh, no doubt about that. And that's that's something in thinking through this conversation, I I initially reflected on my own experience as a young man and then um, reflected on what I saw as a youth pastor with the young guys I had in my group. And it really is. And and some guys adjust better to it than others do, Mm -hmm. but it's not an easy adjustment for anyone. You know, um, there's there's some guys more type A or that have a little more natural self confidence, self assurance that 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 they 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 invite the challenge and they look forward to it and and while while there's bumps and stuff like that, they they handle it you know as best as a young man can. But there's a lot of guys who really struggle through it and and no yeah. one goes through it uh, without some bumps and bruises and scars. And entering into the world for the first time, you know, getting your driver's license at 16. Um, You know, I got my first job when I was 16. Mm -hmm. Um, And even thinking, pushing that back into the initial years of puberty and and leaving elementary school where where you have a level of security. You're in one class for probably 90% of the day with one teacher, one set of classmates outside of recess. Mm-hmm. To you go to middle school and you've got seven to nine periods with seven to nine different teachers and seven to nine, you know, different sets of classmates. Even if there's yeah. same classmates in multiple classes, you've got different dynamics there mm-hmm. and, and you have a locker. You got to go to your make sure yeah. you get to your classes on time and all of this that there's there's a new level of responsibility there. And as that continues to ramp up, and especially in our society, you know, we talked last week about in our definition of American manhood that World War II was kind of a cutoff date for us. In this conversation, I, I think it should go beyond the age of 18 into the early 20s. Yeah. Um, but really, in, in our society, 18 is a real cutoff age, you know. And in a, for a lot of folks, they'd probably say you got three options when you turn 18. You know, it's either you go into the workforce, you join the military, you go to school. You know, yeah. one of those things on that. And, and those are big decisions. Yeah. And, and each yeah. of those, there's, there's a very, uh, uh, very high level of difficulty that comes with that because it's just drastically different for the vast majority of young people drastically different than the environment they grew up in um so even with the best of parents that's a hard transition to enter into it totally is and i think that that's part of the reason why there's so much dysfunction like there's so much dysfunction in both colleges and in the military right where these spaces can be really good for young people 
and, and they are really good for some young people and but for others you know they they go through those mm-hmm. experiences and they come out very unhealthy you know if it's binge mm-hmm. drinking from uh you know while they're in college and they just you know fry their brain or you know they harm their body that way or if it's um uh, PTSD, you know, going through these experiences in the military and and not having the personal kind of mentors mentorship where they can process those things that they're experiencing, and then they leave the military and they have this PTSD and they can't function right. Like I think that that can be a really unhealthy space for some people, and for others it, it works. For others, it's okay, mm-hmm. it, it, it's good. I think that there are other things other circumstances that that okay. might help those people do well in, in those environments but yeah you're I, you're right on that definitely this growing into manhood i think goes well into your 20s mm-hmm. uh and, mm-hmm. it, and it takes it takes a long time for uh i don't know we're just men are just stupid you know it just takes us a long time to learn and to <laughs> and to uh and to grow in that way uh but before and, we and jump all the in, women listening said amen that's right that's right uh well before we we go much further i do want to spend a little bit of time distinguishing between boyhood and manhood so we've we've already talked about this first one which is security i think that's a really important one that that as a boy you are in the home there are certain ways that you are expected to behave in the home with my three-year-old uh he's three and a half you know what what my wife and I have the conversation a lot on and what she encourages me and challenges me with is that she's like, Eric, you can't expect him not to act like a three and a half year old. Right. In my mind, I'm like, dude, you don't need to be throwing a fit. You don't need to be throwing a tantrum. You don't need to be crying about this. Like, get over it. And like, let's move on. Time to man um, and up, she, she, yeah, she has to remind me, hey, you know, he's three and a half. That's not how he thinks. That's not how he processes. So we're one of those things is that security. We're still in the home. What are some other things that um, are distinctly uh, that 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 distinguish boyhood from manhood. Well, well, I think the first most obvious thing that we just can't ignore is the physical development. You know, going through puberty and the physical changes that come with that. Um, you know, from either potentially an increase in muscle mass. Um, you know, uh, getting a lot taller in a very short period of time um to you know kind of a for lack of a better term kind of a sexual at least being aware of your sexuality in a very real way and and that can have um some kind of at least especially in the moment embarrassing um moments with that like i remember when i was coaching high school football we uh, one of the things we did with the guys after lifting in the summers, we'd take them in the wrestling room, turn the lights off, and just uh, have time of visual of visualization, where mm-hmm. one of the coaches would lead them through. You know, we're gonna get you relaxed, so you know you're on the beach and different stuff, uh, stuff like that. And then okay, you see yourself making this play. Well, well, one of my buddies was leading it, and you know we've got twenty incoming freshmen so 12 13 year olds in there and i see one of the guys laughing and um i i was a hothead uh mm-hmm. back then and so i was about to just rip this kid a new one and it was like what's he laughing about well he's laying there on the ground in athletic shirts and he's got a full-on erection 
Oh, no, oh, no. There's no hiding it. <laughs> yeah. It, that's that's oh, different. No. When when you're yeah. 10 years old, that doesn't happen. When you're doesn't 12 or 13, happen. Right, right. it happens all the time. And so, yeah. you know, oh, th- there are that's physical changes. <laughs> oh, uh, but the physical changes are so different. And, and, and you just don't understand them. Even, uh, even going through, you know, growing and changing classes, conversation with your dad, there's a level you just don't get it. And, and so I think right. that's something that needs to be acknowledged. Um, I, I think a loss of security, I, I think it's the be- really the major beginning of developing one's identity. Yes. Where so much of your identity is wrapped up in that family unit. And mm-hmm. as you get more freedom, as there is slowly, hopefully, less security there you really begin to define who you are as a person on your own. And that's scary and that's hard. And especially Mm -hmm. as young people can be very idealistic. And when we don't meet up to that ideal or, or the perceived ideal that, that really can cause a lot of inner turmoil and angst that if you don't have the tools in your toolbox or the people around you to deal with, um, can lead to some very destructive behavior, um, whether that's, you know, like we talked about uh, last week a little bit, you know, um, unwise sexual practices to substance abuse to, to even just really negative thoughts and, and terrible thought patterns that can take, you know, years and years of help to rewire in your brain when you're 50 years old trying to do it. Right. The way that I say, the way that I, I said that is this this idea of becoming aware of yourself, this identity mm-hmm. piece. You become yep. aware of yourself. You become aware of others in the world, and ideally, you become aware of God. Where it's mm-hmm. you know this is the first time where you begin to own mm-hmm. own yourself. You begin to take responsibility for yourself. Yeah. You begin to take responsibility for the people around you. And you take responsibility for your relationship with God, which is why in, you know, some of the more traditional churches, uh, denominations, you have confirmation right at this time mm-hmm. yeah. where you confirm your faith. So, you know, in our, in our, in our church, a new life, you know, we, we baptize our babies and we, we baptize them into the faith. We teach them the faith as they grow up and they go through confirmation. So they spend two or three years uh, studying the faith thinking through the faith, um, thinking through their place with God, what God thinks about them and some of those things. And then they have a, a Sunday, one Sunday a year, where they stand in front of the congregation and they say, this yeah. is what we believe. We recite the Apostles' Creed together, and this is now it's their faith. And so I think that that's just greater responsibility as part of this, where you go from less responsibility to more mm-hmm. responsibility. Yeah, I think that's a really important transition as well. Oh, no doubt, no doubt, and responsibility—it's um, it, something we can't avoid. It's something that if you're breathing, you're going to be responsible to someone or something. Mm-hmm. And the people that I think—how um, do I want to word this? I—I I, I think that if we avoid responsibilities. That's where we get stuck in a boyhood mindset, yes. even though our bodies developed into a man. 
um, where when we run from our obligations uh, to others in particularly that we we're, we're not taking that next step into maturity and that's something that responsibilities are scary you yeah. know is is what first time parent or even you know even with me with my son my second born you know as we got closer it's like holy cow this is a, another step up and can i do mm -hmm. this and um i think it's really easy and i think um there is some of our culture that wants young people to avoid responsibility for as long as possible um and some of that could be you know parents the you know are unhappy with their own lives and and wish they had less and so they project that and, and i think some of it too is parents avoiding responsibilities the responsibility yeah. of being an active and involved and good parent where it's just easier not to and and that keeps right. kids from responsibilities and and it perpetuates this state of adolescence rather than maturity into adulthood and that connects to what we talked about last week with these overgrown boys now mm -hmm. in positions of power yeah. where they think they're owed something they think they're entitled mm -hmm. to something uh and when you're a boy they I mean, if we're honest, you are entitled to some things, right? Mm -hmm. you, if you are, if you are growing up in a healthy home, your mm -hmm. parents are taking care of you, and they're taking yeah. good care of you. So, in that mm -hmm. way, you are entitled to care, because mm -hmm. guess what? Uh, a seven-year-old can't fend for themselves, so they need yeah. that care to grow. Uh, but at some point, then you have to be the one who takes responsibility for yourself, yeah. and and I think a lot of this this entitlement that we see in our culture stems from uh, this o overgrown children. Yeah. It stems from not taking responsibility. Uh, and, and I think I see that really across multiple demographics and multiple yeah. ages and, and, and across the spectrum of different religious beliefs and political beliefs. I mean, I think that yeah. you can see that there's this, just this environment of, uh, playing the victim, being the victim yep. of entitlement and not actually taking responsibility for yourself and uh -huh. taking responsibility for other people. Oh, 100%. And, and it does cross demographics, you know, thinking, thinking about this, um, you know, with, uh, uh, upper middle class, you know, um, varsity football player, that, that I coached who was a pretty good ball player, but he didn't show up to lifting. And, and mm -hmm. as a coaching staff, we had a rule that if you didn't show up to lifting, you couldn't start. And mm -hmm. his dad threw a big huff, ended up cussing out me and one of the other coaches when we wow. got back to the school after the varsity game. Cause his son, his son played the majority of the game. He didn't play the first right. series, but he played the rest cause he was our best linebacker. But mm -hmm. talking about how we didn't know what you were doing. And it's like, Dude, your son wasn't, and and we couldn't prove it, but we knew he's smoking weed. Like he he wanted mm -hmm. to go get high rather than be here, and he thought he could get away with it. And we're holding him mm -hmm. accountable. Like you should mm -hmm. be thanking us on this. And then I also think to when I was youth pastor and having one of my small group leaders come to me, and one of our students who'd been in a lot of trouble, 
And if there was, we've got a lot of, I have a lot of success stories of mm-hmm. kids, including this guy's older brother, that were in very bad situations, whether mm-hmm. it was with school or the police or both, and, and significant life change we saw in them um, during their time in the ministry. This young guy, man, sakes alive, no. Um, and he broke his probation, was set to have an, a court hearing with a very real possibility mm-hmm. that he would do jail time. And his small group leader asked him, you know, hey, are you nervous about this? And he literally said, no, I'm not worried about it. My mom's going to go in there and she's going to take care of it. Wow. And it's just like mm. you're mm. – and, and come to find out he went to jail a couple of times after um, he left the ministry. Um, and it's something where regardless of demographics, so, uh, social, economic – uh, racial, um, there is this kind of scary part of our society where we're not allowing young men to take responsibility by either not giving them any responsibilities or not holding them accountable for their decisions with their responsibilities. Yeah, and and you know, teenagers are notorious for being moody and. Mm-hmm. Having these ups and downs of of being very loving and tender hearted toward their parents, and then pushing them away, and being very very uh, outspoken and uh, being very sharp with their parents. And part of the reality of growing up is it's it's not a straight linear path, right? You don't just uh-huh. constantly grow. You know, it's this. There's definitely an up and down to it. You know, there are definitely mm-hmm. times when. A teenager is more of a child, and there are other times where they're definitely more of an adult. Uh, And and you know you have a you have a little girl who's four four and a half, (laughs) and I have a little boy who's three and a half, and this is kind of like a this is a pre teenage, this is like like a like a little mini teenage years, (laughs) this this like two to four two to five that (laughs) then pops back up, and it's the same thing. So you know our our kids act out, and Mm -hmm. they're trying to establish some responsibility they're trying to establish a little bit of freedom uh yeah. and and so it's really important i think just uh, this is i'm gonna put my pastor hat on i guess for a little bit uh, it's really important for folks to give their kids the space they need to succeed yeah. or to fail like that's really yeah. really important for teenagers to have yeah. more responsibility if if yeah. you have a teenager who acts out give them more responsibility because that's what they want. They want more freedom. Mm -hmm. And so find any way that you can to have them be more involved in, Mm -hmm. uh, and have more responsibility for their, for their work, for their school, for, you know, whatever it is. So if that's a job or if that's, you know, whatever that might be, but there's that, I think that's a really important part of being a teenager. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a vital thing that parents need to do is give their kids more responsibility as they enter into their teenage years. 100%. Um, and, and one of the big things that that helps really foster through both success and failure is, is a real true sense of confidence in oneself, you know, and small wins lead to big wins. You know, it's cliche, but it's true. It's true. That if, you know, um, 
in, in a book I really like that I can't think of the name of, of father's talking to his son and he says, you know, son, if your courage holds in the small battles, it'll hold in the big ones. Um, so there are no small battles. And, mm-hmm. you know, on some level, they, they just absolutely crave it, you know, is they want situations where, especially if they love and respect you, where, where they know you're relying on them, where they need to come through for you. Mm-hmm. And and as difficult as it is, it's while while I think it's not a good idea to shelter young people too much, at least from the consequences of their decisions with their responsibilities. I also think that there needs to be a great deal of patience with that, because um, like mm-hmm. you said, teenagers are up and down. You know, and and it, it could be, you know, it's a difficult time of life and they're adjusting to things. It mm-hmm. could mean hormonal. It, it, it could just be we all have bad days. Um, mm-hmm. But through the ups and downs on it is not letting the high, high, the lows get too low and continuing to believe in your kid and, and helping them to to grow and reinforcing why. The why that's especially I think with these younger generations, including ours, we want to know the why. Why are we doing this? Why is this important? Taking the time to explain the why. Well, you watching your sister allows mom to, you know, work until this time, you know, which helps us pay the mortgage. So so you doing this is helping us keep a roof over our head. Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. Where Mm -hmm. if you give them a meaningless task they're not going to care and why should right. they and so right. i i think young people we, we need to have realistic expectations for them so we don't set them up for catastrophic failure but i i think a lot of young men um are a lot more capable than yes. uh society gives them credit for as we saw with shadrach meshach and abednego as we see with right. young david you know, um, and and different young men, even with Jesus in his life, that young people have a higher capacity, and you know, God God's got a reason for their lives while they're young people. It's not mm-hmm. once they become yeah, adults exactly right. that His purposes start to be fulfilled. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And I like I like how you said you don't want to set them up for catastrophic failure. But you want to be mm-hmm. able to provide them situations where they can take on that responsibility. Mm-hmm. They can learn those lessons. They can do some of this transition work that we've talked about of uh, changing the way they think about the world, entering into the world, becoming aware of themselves and gaining that confidence and taking responsibility for themselves. There are ways that you can do that without just having them sink or swim. Yeah. And, and, and you're right on that, that teenagers are capable of so much. There's so mm-hmm. much that a young young people can do. And, you know, just three or four generations ago, if you were 16, you were working. And you mm-hmm. chances are, you if you were a young man, you were probably working almost full time. Yeah. Right? Three or four generations ago, you were working a lot. And you might be working in the mill. Right? You might be, you might be a steel worker. You might be doing a hard, dangerous job. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what. There's nothing biologically that's different in those three or four generations. It's it's the parenting that's different. Yeah. Uh, the the kids aren't different. 
It's this, it's not having the responsibility. It's not being given the responsibility. Now, I think that you could probably argue that maybe that's too much responsibility that, that our <laughs> forebears experienced. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that they, you might be able to argue that. Um, but there needs to be some, some responsibility. I think, I think that you're right on. And this transition from boyhood to manhood, as, as we were kind of preparing for this and thinking about this conversation, uh, what, what kept coming up to me, and as I was thinking about this series as a whole, uh, what I wanted to spend some time on today was talking about initiation, mm-hmm. which is not something that I think that our culture talks about much at all. And if people remember last week, I, I talked a little bit about um, uh, some of my classmates in school going through that, that were Native American, going through their tribe's initiation rituals when they were about seventh or eighth grade. And so in, in many cultures, there are certain initiation rites that young people go through and experience to become adults, specifically in our, and as we're talking about, to become men. And there are some very rigorous initiation rituals to become men. And, and as I was thinking, as I've been thinking about this for several years now, it, it occurs to me more and more, again, that, that women have this natural initiation mm-hmm. when, they're, when they enter puberty. They have this natural mm-hmm. initiation into, um, into the world, and it's a biological, it's their first cycle. And they're reminded every month of this thing that happens to them. Um, and they learn a lot from that. They gain a lot of wisdom from that, I think. And men just don't have that. And so we have to, we almost have to manufacture this kind of change. Otherwise, you're just going to keep growing up. And then, like, how do you know when you stopped, you know, like, yeah. like when is puberty over? Is it over at 21? Is it over at 25? Is it over at 30? I, Biologically, it's not clear for men. It's very, it's very long stretched out. It takes us a long time to grow. Yeah, I was talking to my dad. This is probably a couple of years ago. We were talking about facial hair, and he's just like, "Yeah, I didn't. I couldn't grow a full beard till I was well into my 30s." Mm-hmm. You know, so it's yep. we men take a long time to fully mm-hmm. develop. Uh, I know that the cutoff generally is about 25 is when we're done biologically developing. Um, but I, I think that's probably a little bit more fuzzy than, <laughs> than we give it credit for. Um, and I just want to hear first from you, Dan. Um, do you have any experience with initiation? Do you have any experience with going through any kind of initiation um, mm-hmm. in your own transition from boyhood to manhood? Was there this time of, of definitive growth or this change uh, that you can kind of pinpoint and say, yes, like this is when I knew that I was a man. I, I can think of a lot of different moments mm. where where it was like a micro initiation, mm-hmm. where where in looking back on you know my walk, that it was like this this was a step. This this was you know on the trail of life. I'm I'm putting a marker there. For different things, and so when it comes to one larger initiation, I, I I honestly don't, and I think that there's value in having that. I also think in it's good for men that are invested in younger men. Yes, to recognize, and we talked 
last week about how intentionality is so vital to being a Christian man, that everything we do essentially needs to be intentional for God, that having the intentionality to acknowledge those, and whether that's in the moment or is setting a marker for further down the trail. And, and the best example I can think of is this, and this, this was in my 20s. Um, I, I went to work for my buddy Jared Artem in his uh, construction company, and I, I, I learned a lot of skills there. Um, you know, as we're recording this, I'm in my basement at my tool bench, and I wouldn't have this if I didn't learn the things I did with him. But I remember he had um, just the coolest, it was a murdered out, all black, um, big old Ram uh, 1500. And I thought it was the coolest truck ever and everything. And, and we'd talk about it, and uh, I'd get to drive it uh, pretty frequently. And it was like, man, I really want a truck. And, and Jared, you know, Jared is, he's a man's man. He's like, yeah, you're a man's oh, yes. truck. Um, and, um, and so I remember when I bought my first truck mm. and it, it was a good, reliable truck. The Lord opened the door. I was a youth pastor and didn't have a whole lot of money. And so I, I, I got a nicer mm. truck than what, what I expected, but, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't anything, uh, mm-hmm. overly special, but I, I felt such a sense of accomplishment mm. that, that, that mm. I bought, I, I, I wanted a truck, um, and, and I was able to do that. And I, I think back to other things in my life where small times that, whether it was with my dad, um, or with other mentors in my life where it was like, you walk away from it and you just know I'm more of a man now. And so while I don't have, you know, like, like with your friends growing up that were native American, I don't have a real initiation story like that. I, I, I can look back at the investment that men made in my life and a lot of moments where I knew I had taken another step in my journey towards becoming a man. And, And that's something I still feel like I'm on. You know, um, uh, I'm, I'm a grown man. I've got a wife. I've got kids. I got a mortgage. Um, but even in interacting with my dad and learning from him, um, I, I got such a ways to go to be to be the man I want to be. And yeah. and I think it's good to be conscious and to take advantage of the small opportunities. I think it would be a very good thing if we would have some larger scale things as well that, that really cement a big memory. But I, I, I think it's we, we got to take care of the small moments because that's really what you build a life upon. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, and, and I had a similar experience in my own life where it was these there were these moments where I kind of knew, okay, I've, I've, I'm entering into adulthood and I'm entering into manhood. Um, you know, and, and I guess a lot of that, you know, thinking back, um, you know, there, there were, there were a handful. We did this, uh, we had a family in our church that kind of hosted this retreat for the youth, uh, for the boys of the youth group. And it, it was kind of this, it, it was, it was a, a type of initiation. It focused more on, on sex ed. I think that it was <laughs> done out of, out, of, out of a concern with how the public schools were teaching sex ed. So it was kind of a correction to some of those things. Uh, uh, some of the perceived or um, 
yeah, some of the things that they that that this family didn't like in the public schools. Uh, but you know, I look back and to me, like that's kind of like that was kind of an important moment where, yeah. like, I went in to you know they had it at their house and they had this they had this big beautiful house and like with all my friends from church, all the boys that were my age, you know, we we went together. And uh, we did all these, uh, I don't know what you'd call them, classes, I guess. You know, they like they they would did all this teaching. You know, we got these big binders. We had lots of conversation. Mm -hmm. We played games. Um, It was this big to do that we got. We, you know, we got away from everybody uh, else. We were all just together and we were taught something that was really important. You know, we were taught about our bodies. We were taught about a woman's body. We were we were taught from a faith perspective about, you know, what it means to use our bodies well and, you know, uh, some of those things. So that was a moment for me that I was like, okay, like this is getting serious, you know, like I I knew something mm-hmm. was different. When it came to, to puberty, I was kind of a late bloomer. So by that point, I hadn't begun that development yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew that something had changed, that, that, that mm-hmm. I was different because yep. of that. Um, but then again, in college, I think that I had some of those experiences too with yeah. some of my mentors in college, specifically around ministry and being a pastor. And then, yeah, I, I think my ordination when I was ordained yeah. in the Free Methodist mm-hmm. Church, um, mm-hmm. and that would have been back, I don't even know, 2017 maybe, uh, that I was ordained. You know, to me, like that was another moment where it was yeah. like, okay, mm-hmm. like, and, 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 and in the Free Methodist Church, you know, there are women pastors as well as, as male pastors. So it's not mm-hmm. only males, but um, my mentors were male. Our bishop was male. So there was definitely that, like, it was, to me, that was a moment of kind of stepping into manhood um, in my own journey. So I definitely had some of those same same experiences. Uh, but I think mm-hmm. it's important. What What's really important with that, this, you know, with initiation is that you're, you're making this transition and there, and, and I, it does happen naturally and it does happen in small steps. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I should say that it, that we never stop growing, right. That there's, we yeah. kind of like grow into these different roles. We grow into these different aspects of being a man. You know, when we think about all the different types of, of roles that God plays, um, yeah. in scripture, you know, he's a warrior, he's a lover, he's, uh, he's, um, in some ways, a, a mentor and a guide, you know, he like, like God kind of does all these different things for us. And in many ways, um, men and women both, but, but from a particularly male perspective, you know, we live in those spaces and do those roles in lots of different ways. So, so it's, it's always dynamic. It's always ever changing. And we, you know, we move from becoming a man to becoming a father to becoming a grandfather, yeah. right? We have this, tra- there's always this transition. But I think that having a moment where we could say, okay, like now yeah. I'm, I'm being welcomed into my community as a man. Yeah. I think that's a really important thing for us to, to have. Yeah. And, and, and I love the way you said that there um, at the end that as a community to have this, because mm-hmm. that's something coming back to the idea of mission and mates. You know, I, I think for a lot of young men, they feel really alone. Um, yes. You know, is is you've got all these insecurities that you have, and and everyone, especially with young men, they a lot of times can overcompensate for yeah. that, and so so everyone seems really confident when they're just as insecure as you, but that just makes you more insecure. Mm-hmm. Um, of having this community and this sense of recognition, 
That's something yeah. that young men want. That that I think you know, young women want it as well. Uh, yeah. But with us focusing on young men, that's something young men want. They want to be recognized, and they want to be recognized as a man. That mm-hmm. that's a part of who God made them to be, and that's a God given desire. Yeah. And and thinking back to even some of our um, con- uh, earlier part of our conversation last week of what's what's some of the shortcomings in the process. Why why are we having trouble within the church with developing young men? Is I, I wonder, it, some of it could be we don't have anything for that. What What is the mm. case for, you know, a young man that, you know, over the course of middle school and high school, you know, who grows in responsibility and faithfulness and, you know, shows himself uh, to, to, be, to be a quality young man? Mm-hmm. What, what do we have to where it's, hey, you know, um, the... The older men, by that being anyone over the age of eighteen, mm-hmm. um, you know, take the young guys out and hey, we're we're this is a guys' trip and you're gonna come back and hey, you're one of us now and it's time to get after it. Yeah. Um, because because I also think sometimes, um, I know it's crazy to me to think that I'm 31 now, um, <laughs> and I don't feel like I'm an old guy, but I also don't feel quite as young as I used to and we we all want to be a part of that group whatever yeah. that next group is but so oftentimes you know we're not going to ask because we want to be asked we want to be invited in so so what are the ways that the church could invite young men into that brotherhood of right. being a follower of Christ and and living for Christ and being on mission for the kingdom, you know, how do we invite them in? You know, it's part of where uh, gangs are unfortunately so prevalent is you have these young men oftentimes in in single uh, parent homes that are just craving a sense Mm -hmm. of camaraderie and a sense of belonging and Mm -hmm. um, especially with young men to to be recognized as a man. And they find that in a gang. Well, well, if they can find it in some of the worst things in this world, um, yeah. you know, it's a big problem if they can't find it in what we believe is the best thing in this world, and that's, yeah, that's you know, right. being part of the body of Christ. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And initiation is really important to a lot of cultures, uh, even today. And and there's this one I, I read it in a, I read about it in a book on. Uh, church and mission, I think is what it was. But this author was talking about this particular group, a particular tribe in, in Central Africa that goes to this initiation ritual for their boys. So it, it's, it's a kind of, frankly, it's kind of grotesque to, to me. Like as a Westerner, I'm like, it's kind of weird. Uh, but what they do is they take these boys when they're 12 and the men of the village uh they they do this fake raid of the village so they come in at night and they kidnap these boys from their mothers mm-hmm. uh you know when they're 12 13 years old and they take them out into the wilderness and they circumcise them and then they just leave them there <laughs> and 
and they're told by by the leader, by the elder of the village, and the elder of the village says says you need to you need to survive out here together for however long it was, 15, 30 days, something like that. So you need to survive out here together. And if you don't do this together, you're going to die. And then the men just leave the boys out there. And so then you have this group of boys who have to figure out how to survive. And after the so many days are up, the men come back and they have this huge ceremony, this huge party. And then they reintroduce the boys back to the village. And after that, then they're men. And they play all the same roles um, as the other men of the village. They're, uh-huh. They now fight in war and they can uh, be part of the decision-making process and all that. So that's like an extreme example of what initiation is. But I think that there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of patterns that I think lots of initiations have. And we can actually see it in Jesus's life too. When he's, after he's baptized and the spirit descends on him, uh, God says, this is my beloved son with whom I well please. And then he immediately goes into the desert to be tested. And so I think initiation um, includes this affirmation of who you are, of whose you are. And, and in a Christian, in a Christian context, it would be like, hey, you are you are God's man and mm-hmm. you are his son. And that is fundamentally who you are. And we need to we need to draw you away from all of your old relationships and your old habits and your old patterns, and we're going to take you to this new space, where you can um, have this experience with God, where you can learn what it means to be a man, and then we can release you back into into the world. So, and I think that's that's what happened with Jesus. He was baptized. He heard the voice the, the voice of the Lord. He goes into the desert and he struggles for forty days. And then he comes back, and what does he do? He preaches the first sermon. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. Um, and he was ready to go. He be, in, in that sense, he became a man. He is, he is entering into what God has for him. Um, and so I think that, that just using that pattern can be really helpful to just be taken away from what you know, uh, have, this, have this, this spiritual experience with God. Yeah being taught what it means to be a man and then being reintroduced it, it i think it's going i think yeah. it clears up a lot of that confusion like you mentioned mm-hmm. of am i a man am am yeah. i really in and in many ways so you're 31 i'm 29 and in many ways i have that same i still am like well am i am i in yet you know i'm mm-hmm. i'm like interacting with all these men in my church and they're they're you know some of them are several decades older than i am and they're uh, so many of them are so mature and grounded and um, they do what they do well and they love their families well. And I'm like, well, I don't feel like I'm there yet. Like I don't, <laughs> you know, in some ways I still, you know, I, I still have that tension. Um, but this kind of initiation is a good way to say, no, you are. Now you mm-hmm. are. And you're always going to be growing, but now you're in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, going back to the story of the tribe that kidnaps the, guys and makes them survive and everything all of that seemed uh, on the up and up to me until you mentioned that they circumcised them before they left them out there that 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 just seems cruel like they're they're cruel scared and unusual they're gonna, yeah they're gonna have to yeah they're gonna have to figure out how to survive for a month and oh by the way you know hey we're gonna you know i just went through my son being circumcised five months ago and you know hey it's good he got it then 
But um, I, I 100% agree. <laughs> so so, with you, so you didn't wait till he was 13? You didn't wait till he was 13 no, to do that? No, no. You know, hey, I'm, I'm here in my tool bench. You know, I got my razor knife, so I could have. But, you know, his, his mom had grace there. <laughs> you know, I, I love what you said there, using the example of Jesus and, and the testing that goes into it. And, yeah. you know, and, and thinking through that, before he went into the testing, he'd already been affirmed by his father. Yeah, it wasn't that Jesus went in there. And please forgive me if 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 I'm repeating you on this, but he he went into the wilderness, into the season of testing, knowing his identity, yeah, that's exactly knowing right. that he belonged. And thinking about my life, another story that comes to mind is is when I'm I went on my missions trip to China. And I was 22, I think, and I went without my folks, and it was it was big time, and really the first time I ever traveled internationally, and I, I was the youngest guy by a couple decades um, mm-hmm. in our group, and, and there was only four of us, and on on some level I felt a little bit out of place, um, yeah. and there there was one night, and I believe we were in Guangzhou, which is in. Um, uh, the southern coast of China, and we were um, having dinner at this restaurant with uh, some missionaries there. And um, this one young lady was um, real upset, and I, I was really tired. You know, I think it was uh, one of the last nights we were in China, and, and I was just exhausted. I didn't want to be there. I just wanted to go back to my hotel room. I didn't want to talk to anyone. And and so I just kind of sat in the corner, ate my food, and just sat there. And it's like, okay, you know, I'll pretend to listen. And this young lady was talking about something um, in her life that was really hard, and everyone was trying to comfort her. And and it was very clear that their best attempts weren't weren't helping. Mm. And I I thought of what my dad would do, and it's like, man, dad's always on point. He's always you know invested in people. And so I just started praying for her, and, and the Lord gave me a word, and I don't remember exactly what it was, and, and I'm speaking in English, and, and one of the missionaries is translating it um, into Chinese for her, and she just starts to weep, and I don't know if that's a good oh, thing wow. or a bad thing, and, <laughs> but, but the Holy Spirit just fell on the room, hmm. and, and I remember walking back to our hotel room, and it was towards the end of the trip, and one of the guys put his arm around me, and he was like, you're a good man, Dan. And it was like, I, I belong with these guys. These guys who've been yeah. on several trips, guys that have families that their kids, some of them are starting to have kids. And I'm, I'm this young single college student. I, I was a part of the group. Yeah. And the part I didn't realize is I was always a part of the group. And yeah. so I think that's something that, we need to treat young people with the mindset that yeah. they're in group, that, that it's not necessarily on some level you earn it, but once you earn it, you're in. And right. then how, right. how do we, even if it's on an individual basis, cause all guys are different um, to some extent, how, how, how do we let them know that they're a part of a group in a way that it's going to stick with them? Yeah, and yeah. and I think um, I think that can vary. I don't think there's a one size fit all on it. No, I think you're right. But I mm-hmm. do, but I do think it's something that 
um, denominations, that individual churches, individual ministries, parents, mentors need to think through for the young men in their life. When the time comes for this, what am I going to do? Because I I just think uh, the more we talk about, the more having something like that um, is just really important to establishing a young man that he is a part of the tribe, that he is in on the inside. And we all want that, you know, there's no, no man wants to, you know, um, just be alone. Even though sometimes we say that's what we want. What a great story too. Uh, that a moment where maybe you didn't realize that you were part of the group and Mm. having to come to realize that because, because that's the point, right? Is that the, what allowed Jesus to, to be obedient in the desert was the word of God and the Holy Spirit given to him, right? It was by the power of the Holy Spirit that he was obedient. Um, And in that way, he's he's the second Adam, right? In that way, he did what the first Adam couldn't. It's because he he knew the word of God, he trusted the word of God, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit to be tested in that way. And uh, it's important to do that at the top, to, to give identity at the top, because it's that identity and that security that it is, is going to allow you to be able to face whatever the struggle is. Um, and I think that, you know, with this initiation, lots of times when we enter into manhood, it is through struggle. I would, mm-hmm. and I would actually probably, I might even say that I, I don't think you can enter into manhood without struggle, yeah. without some uh-huh. kind of struggle. And, and you have to know that you're part of uh, what's, you know, you're part of the community already in order to mm-hmm. be able to go through that struggle in, in a meaningful way and mm-hmm. to be able to enter into the lifelong struggle of that all humans face um, and yeah. that specifically men really need to have mm-hmm. purpose um, and, and to have that intention and drive, you know, that we talked about yeah. last time. Um, that's part of our God-given design is that we really need, we need that struggle and it needs to be in the context of, of you, you are part of what we are doing here. And because we love you and because we want what's best for you, we're going to teach you all these things, all these hard things that life is struggle, that you're not that important, you know, uh, that your life is ultimately about other people. You know, all those lessons that I think are really important for men to learn um, Mm -hmm. that we need to we need to teach that. Yeah. And and just just kind of one last thought on this. you know, respect is so important to men, you know, is, is we want to be respected, you know, it's where we see a lot of, in particular, young or really immature guys that, you know, are willing to resort to violence if they feel disrespected. Um, and I say that as a young man who was that way, um, mm. that, and young men need to understand that respect is earned, that, you know, my dad's got a great saying, his love is freely giving, uh, given trust and respect are earned. And so going through a testing of earning, you know, the respect of other men, I, it, it's something that just how God's wired us, you know, I, I want to be a part of the group, but I want to be part of the group because I contribute to it because, you know, I'm a valuable member of that. Um, that that I've earned my way there, and that's part of where some of this, you know, being a Christ-like man is, and it's doing young men a disservice because Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father Almighty, 
Why? Mm-hmm. Because he took up his cross, he died on it, and by the power of the Spirit was resurrected. Mm-hmm. If Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, decides, no, I'm not going to do that, he, he's not where he is now. Right. You right. know, and, and praise be that that he did do that for us. Yeah. But with him yeah. being the example of what a man is, if, if we want to take our place, you know, um, as, as we've referenced several times, you know, with my grandfathers being pastors, with my, um, you know, I had great-grandfathers that were pastors and a great-great-grandfather, and then my dad, I, even at 31, I, I want to be a part of that group. I, I want yeah. Yeah. to be in, you know, whatever my flawed view of heaven is, I, I want to be able to take my place with, you know, my forefathers yeah. and worshiping the Lord and, and you know, uh, not be the weak link in the chain. And I think that's something that no man wants to be. And so so having that testing right. and and helping young men understand respect is earned and mm-hmm. that it, it's a noble thing um, to earn another man's respect. And, and it's a precious yeah. thing that, that we should work with. Well, once you earn the respect, the hard work really begins because you have to maintain it. And I know for myself, having thought about this for a while, I know that I I will have some sort of initiation for my boys. Yeah. So at some point, you know, they'll and I and I had a buddy in college, and his dad did did it so well, um, and so I I need to do a little bit more work on talking to him about what his dad did because he told me the story and it was touching but it it needs to be something where you get away from where you are um you struggle and and so probably what that's going to mean god willing my children will all be uh, have the physical capabilities to do these kinds of things but you know some kind of hike like a backpacking trip or some kind of camping trip some kind of physical activity where you're physically straining uh, to do, you know, to do what you need to do, and then a series of of lessons about what it means to be a man, um, and then some sort of change, right? So something has to, uh, uh, there, there's some sort of kind of formalized, ritualized change where now this, you know, this boy is a man, and in my in my friend's case, that's when they got their middle name. So none of the none of the boys had the middle name until they were 13, and then their father mm. gave them gave them a middle name based on you know mm. who they were that's and, cool uh, yeah it was super cool that's cool um, and, yeah so i know that i intend to do that uh, mm-hmm. for my boy something like that and i think that it's something that our churches should do too i i don't know yeah. i don't see why we can't do you know this this same kind of thing you know do a men's yeah. weekend or you know some kind of men's trip uh and and initiate men into this mm-hmm. uh into the into the community of, of Christian men that, mm-hmm. uh, we are, you know, we, we value the same things that we follow Christ together. Yeah. Uh, you know, we sacrifice for each other, for our families. We, you know, we struggle for our families, uh, for our community. You know, we do all these things that we talked about last week and this week is developing those uh, masculine traits within us. Mm-hmm. Oh, no doubt. Well, well, and God describes himself in his word as a father to the fatherless. And especially within our modern society where fatherlessness is a, a huge issue. Um, and and kind of like we said last week, you know, how, how can someone know the way to go if someone's not there to show them? 
well, where where's the church stepping in in the gap on that? Yeah. And I, I think that's something that if if we're going to be really serious with this next generation, that men our age and, and men older than us need to yeah. be committed to, okay, um, for for your boys, for my son, but but who are going to be the guys, you know, the buddies of theirs growing up that don't have a dad that it's not something we asked for. It's not something we planned for, but that's part of being a man is stepping up, you right. know, and, yeah. and one of the uh, men I respect most in the world, his name's John Baggett. Um, he coached me in pretty much everything growing up. His uh, eldest son, Jojo, is my best friend in the world, and he's really my second dad. And, and John embodies that, you know, mm-hmm. his coaching youth sports and, and um, some different guys that, that dad wasn't in the picture that, you know, they needed a ride to practice. He was going to pick them up. He was yeah. going to get them home, you know. And, and as we got older, you know, he's God uh, the godfather for one, one of his former players, uh, little girls. Oh, wow. And, oh, wow. and he, he, he takes that very seriously, and he's a, a great representation of no one asking him to do it, but, mm-hmm. but stepping into that space. And wow. that's something that if we're serious about wanting to develop strong young men, um, that, that we just it's a challenge we have to accept, and it's something where we, we, we have to be all in on it all in and um you know if if we do that i i think i i think we could see just an explosion i i really do i i i I don't look at it as as a hopeless situation i look at it as we have a great opportunity you know we were made for such a time as this to minister to these lost you know lack of a better term lost boys um, to be the representatives of Christ in, you know, stepping into that role as a father to the fatherless, and and I I, I think this is one of the areas where we, if if we're going to see revival in our land, I think this is one of the places where it's really going to start. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, and I think it starts with with initiating initiating males. You know, let mm-hmm. letting them know that they're in and yeah. Um, and having them be fully part of the community, even at a young age, you know, um, giving them those responsibilities and teaching them those lessons yeah. that yeah, that yeah. we all need. And as you know, as we grow and change, and this is what we'll get to starting next week, is how those roles change in the future, right? So how yeah. we step into those mentor roles, the importance of mentors, father figures, um, yeah. and grandfather figures. You know, we'll get more into that starting next week. Um, but it's yeah. super important that we all play our part in yeah. in helping these boys become men. Um, yeah. And in, if that if that happens when they're 13, 14, 15, great. But if that happens has to happen when they're 55, 65, then that's what we got to do. Yeah. You know, we got to yeah. uh, we got to help these men grow. Yep, yep, yep. Jesus doesn't stop pursuing uh, men that don't grow up when they turn 18, and uh, mm-hmm. he doesn't stop. Uh, he never stops, and so 100%. Um, and and I believe we will. I, I believe yeah. that um, 
that this is going to happen, that God is going to move in a mighty way in the young people, and in particular the young men of our nation, yeah. um, and and in this world, um, because He's a loving Father, um, yeah. and um, and I'm thankful that um, that that my son will grow up not just with with me. Um, as his father, but but with you know my dad is his grandfather and um, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. his uncles that I know are pursuing the Lord and a lot of and you know we we need to look after each other's boys, you know mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. so but yeah yeah God's God's gonna move and um, yeah. it, it's not young men it's not easy uh, being a man's hard you know and, mm-hmm. but but it's a very noble thing to pursue. It's a very good right. thing to pursue, and and if you don't have a positive male uh, role model in your life, go find one, and yeah. ask, and and don't stop asking. If if someone turns you down, that's about them, not about <laughs> you. So keep yeah. looking. It's kind of it's kind of like if you want a girlfriend and and a girl you like turns you down, you want to find a girlfriend, you got to keep asking around. Um, <laughs> and, and and if they all say no, then it is you. But in this situation, look for men that you admire. Look, yeah. look for men that have the characteristics, and if you don't know what a man looks like, think about the best man you know and ask them, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, men, if young man asks you to mentor them, to, to look after them, you know, please, mm-hmm. please take up your cross, fight for our boys. You know, God mm-hmm. forbid something happens to Eric or me, we, we'd want someone to step in the gap for our boys. So let's, let's do that for, um, uh, for each other. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So be it. So be it. Yep. So yep. Dan, thanks so much uh, for it's hanging brother. out this evening. It's what a great conversation. Uh huh. Oh, no doubt. Uh, I I I've been looking forward to this conversation since we hung up last uh, Thursday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you guys for joining us as well. For all those of you listening, uh, join us next week as we continue our conversation about Christian manhood when we talk about fathers and mentors. And we'll continue this conversation, you know, that Dan, you started here at the end. Um, so a little teaser for next week that uh, we'll, we'll spend some time talking about that. So it'll be a good conversation. Until then, thank you guys so much for joining us. Have a great week. And we'll see you later.